Welcome to Finance to Futurist, a side trade podcast series on how innovation, data and AI are disrupting order to cash. Hi, this is Natalie Silverman for Side Trade. Welcome to Finance to Futurist. On today's episode, we're discussing the important relationship between the CEO and CFO, especially as CFOs are more involved than ever in every stage of the M&A process from due diligence to integration. Please welcome former CFO and current CEO of Brevis, Amit Das. Good morning, Amit, and thanks for sitting down for Finance to Futurist. Hey, Nathalie. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, it's great for you to join and would love to hear a little bit more about yourself, first off, and also what your role is as CEO at Brevis. Great. Okay, great. So my background uh, over the last 20 years has been anything but linear. I started off in consulting, uh, working at Towers Willis Watson, and then got cut my teeth into strategy before heading up finance at Dunder Bradstreet in a division of international partnerships. I also cut my teeth into M&A and integration at that point as well, before moving into private equity in the last decade. And now, as I said, it wasn't. It's not been a, It's not linear. It's, I'm now CEO of a law firm called Brevis. Let me start by telling you a bit more about Brevis. We're a law firm specialising in residential law, what we call in the UK conveyancing. And we act for either the buyer or the seller in a transaction where there could be many house transactions in any single chain. And so the legal process is it has to be seamless as possible. We're a small firm of about 30 people now, and we're aiming to rapidly grow with a unique offering centered around our technology and our client services as well. Conveyancing as a sector has really been dogged by having the tag of poor customer service. So we aim to change that and change the way that our customers see it and also how the sector is perceived as well. Awesome. Well, again, at Finance the Futurist, we love to bring different people with different perspectives. And so love that you're a CEO, uh, again, in a law firm specializing in real estate. So we'll love to hear just more about your role as a CEO. I know you interact with a lot of people on a day-to-day basis, but just maybe you could talk a little bit first about how you interact day-to-day with your CFO and how that relationship has been built and how do you create a better partnership with the CFO and the leadership team? So given I've been a CFO and prior to uh, being a CEO, I think that's a really interesting question for me. I, I don't believe there's a close relationship you can have in any two roles within a business. There has to be trust that's imperative between the two roles and alignment in the overall strategy as well. To me, it doesn't mean that the CFO should just be aligned with everything the CEO says, far, far from it, but it should be there to challenge his assumptions, challenge the strategy around the business as well. And a good CFO will assess business cases for ROI over a time horizon and provide their assessment you know, towards value creation. It's definitely a double act. I think also as well, is when you're growing a business as, as we are, it's really important that they have to be completely aligned as, in terms of managing capital and making sure we don't overspend on investments at critical times of a growing business. So talk to me a little bit about inflation, because obviously that's on everybody's mind today. And, and as a CEO, and obviously somebody that's really familiar with the finance function, what are some of the steps that you're taking at Brevis to protect your business from inflation? So actually, that, again, is a very current topic, especially in the UK, where you know, inflation is very high. I think it was one of the first things I did when I came into Brevis, assessing the PLL, looking at some of our vendor contracts, and also looking at where there's going to be some pain points. What we found is that recruitment is getting way more expensive now. It's really difficult to find talent at the right uh, salaries that we're, we're looking for as well. Vendor costs are increasing rapidly. Their costs are being passed on to us and, and so forth. So in, in the short term, 
um, since I've been at Brevis. I think what we've done is looked at our, some of our bigger vendor contracts and actually seen if we can negotiate longer term contracts with lower uh, annual uh, price increases. That's the first thing. Also, cash is imperative. Looking at our cash on, on a regular basis. So looking at our debtors, looking at our creditors, making sure that we're being paid on time because that's really important too. And with regard to recruitment as well, it's important that we retain our staff. Salary is one thing when we're in terms of retaining talent, but looking at other things, other perks that we can do, other benefits that we can do to make sure that we retain our staff. Because in our P&L, I'm sure with most, it's the salaries of our human capital that are the most expensive part of our cost base as well. So it's an ever-changing situation, but that's the area that we're looking at right now and how we're trying to combat it. Well, I have to say, thank you for the shout out to accounts receivable. We know cash obviously is the lifeblood of any company. So why don't we switch gears a little bit? Because I know, you know, you and I have worked together previously and and you played a really big role when it came to mergers and acquisitions. So I thought it would be really interesting today to spend some time talking about the role that the finance team plays in M&A. And again, how does the M&A process impact the finance team overall? Okay, so finance, totally pivotal. At the start of any M&A process, they're always there from day one. If we have a standalone business today and we're looking at acquiring another business, they've got to let us help us assess what the company's P&L looks like with the combined entities. An operating plan and the strategy that goes with, with regard to an acquisition should be translated into a financial pro forma for the new co. That way, we're going to look at what would it look like in, for the new business with all the synergies, revenue generation opportunities, and ensure there is a viable ROI with, with this opportunity over a certain time horizon. I think that when you're looking at M&A, they're there right at the start when helping you build out that strategy, helping you with the due diligence, and then ultimately helping you integrate the business as well. So across all three areas of, of the acquisition lifecycle. So you mentioned due diligence. So how do you think firms should approach the due diligence process? Right. Okay. So my way is always making sure that you use the team that you've got within you because we've got subject matter experts across marketing, across across sales, across technology. Those people within your within your leadership team are there to provide the guidance on that particular function. So my view has always been they've already got a role. This is an add-on to their role and any, any M&A is an add-on to their role. Make things easier for them. As I say, an integration manager or integration leader would want to create a template for each SME to critically assess the business. And also when they look at the corresponding documents in the data room, it's important to take a, a holistic approach from doing this. So basically, you're going to look at all the interdependencies. Something that a finance person would look at in, in due diligence would also translate into something that an HR person would look at as well. So making sure that you look at this across the whole prism of the business, that, that's super important as well. And planning this out, because usually due diligence is done at a really finite amount of time because obviously you're trying to get the deal done so making sure you plan all this in advance and make sure you have all the right templates in place and review points which happen weekly daily whatever to to check in with your team as well it's important to to make sure you're not losing any focus across the timeline how about the idea of bringing in outside help i know that's kind of a controversial statement but you know when is the right time to bring in outside help to supplement maybe the subject matter experts that you have internally so I've been in processes where we've used outside help. I've been in processes where we haven't. And there's a, a common theme with regard to when you do that. I think it's usually down to the size and the complexity of the deal. Any deal of size, we normally puts a strain on the current management team. And also, it's also about assessing the capability and skills of your management team, still whether they, you need outside help. If you think of certain areas, look at IP law, areas of technology, and it depends on the company you're acquiring. So if there's something that you're not familiar with and, and you're moving into a different domain, I would definitely look at getting outside help because there's no quicker way to lose money than making the wrong acquisition. 
How about, you know, you talked a little bit about integration. So let's talk about after the M&A, right? And after the companies kind of come together, because integration is so important. So how should you drive integration after an acquisition? Where are some of the areas that you start with first? Integration should always start during the due diligence process. That is a key connector with any integration as well, because you're starting to plan out your integration at that point. Here are the things that we, we think we need to do, you know, that we're going to execute on once the deal is done. Because if you don't plan it in advance, then it's not going to be so difficult once the deal's been done. So it's going to be in phases. The planning phase, translating the due diligence into an integration playbook, looking at those interdependencies in the integration process as well, looking at where we can find synergies, process improvements and revenue generating opportunities. And then once the deal's done, you're going to have this playbook, which is ready made now, and then you can execute on it. The other thing as well is to make sure that actually you need to do this I'd say in, in line with, with the actual acquired company as well. So take into account their, their specialist skills and make sure that actually, while the integration playbook might be fully formed in one way, when you're speaking to the other side, to make sure they've got great ideas that we, um, in terms of how we integrate the business too. So make sure you keep those things in, in, in line as well. You know, one thing of being on the other side, right, as a vendor, and sometimes when we listen to our enterprise prospects and clients, you know, we hear that they're in the middle of an acquisition or they're being acquired. And, you know, for them, they have all these overlapping systems and different ERPs. And, you know, sometimes people think, well, this is not the right time to think about a new solution. But in other cases, it really is the right time to almost unravel, right? And to see where there might be synergies or might be areas of redundancy as well. So how would you pursue that when it comes to technology and thinking about, you know, one tech stack or from your experience, how do you tackle that technology question? So that's that's really a great question. It's, it's, I don't think there's one hard and fast rule with this, unfortunately. But the main thing is really to see what, what you're willing to do, because te- the technology stack is, is one, going to be expensive. Two, it's going to be very time consuming. Now, in an ideal world, you'd want one technology stack, but you've got to look at what you're willing to integrate, what you're willing to, to invest in to drive efficiency in the long term. It depends on your on your time horizon as well. So if you're a PE firm, you normally have a five-year time horizon. And if this, if this is a deal that you've done subsequent to your first one, you might be only have three years, for example, to drive the integration and try and find synergies and be more efficient. So it may not be the ideal time to do that. So it might be on to the next acquirer to do that. So there's a number of decisions to, you know, to make before you can do that. But nothing's always ideal. You've got to go with what you think is the right thing to do over your time horizon. Perfect. You know, and I think that's great advice because you can boil the ocean when it comes to M&A. You know, so my last question, Ahmed, is just, you know, what are some last minute tips that you have for CFOs, again, looking to potentially pursue M&A? All right. So uh, these are probably lessons that I probably learned when I was a CFO and make sure I have that same relationship with my CFO as well. I've seen CFOs being too conservative in M&A previously and reject deals or challenge them too much when when they don't see immediate synergies. While it's good to have that viewpoint, synergies can be sought over a period of time. I think it's always good to look at how new business could generate more top line revenue as well, because if you look just look at it from a cost cutting point of view, there's going to be a limit to cutting costs eventually. And and I know from experience that you can only cut so much and it's better to look at revenue generating opportunities. So I think a strategic CFO will be looking at the top line as well as the bottom line. Thanks, Amit, for your insights into the future of finance. For Sidetrade, this is Natalie Silverman. This has been another episode of Finance to Futurist, a Sidetrade podcast series. Make sure you catch every episode by subscribing to our podcast on sidetrade.com 
or through your podcast platform of choice. Thanks so much for tuning in. This podcast is brought to you by Sitrade and is for general information purposes only. All rights reserved.